0: Once they want treatment, it's opened and it is electronically reported to the state that it's an open claim, but it does show that the employer notified and was notified in a timely manner.
1: You're listening to OMAG All Access, a podcast about all things affecting municipalities in Oklahoma, hosted by OMAG General Counsel Susie Paulson.
2: Hey Jill how are you today? I'm good. Good. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, today about just workers compensation you know in a nutshell um, for the listeners out there who um, maybe don't know a lot about workers compensation and and how OMAG handles claims. I mean I think we're going to talk pretty generically about the the process Um, but I thought it was important to have you come as um, a representative from CBR. Um, For the listeners out there, CBR adjusts all of our workers' comp OMAG claims, and they're actually uh, located in the OMAG building. So we have access to them and can have conversations with them about issues in our cities, and they keep us up to date on what some of the the trends are with uh, workplace accidents. But... Jill, why don't you just um, tell me a little bit about your background and what you do at CBR and how long, how long you've been working OMAG claims?
0: I have worked for CBR for going on 14 years. I've been a claims adjuster 25 years. Um, I'm the uh, claims manager here at OMAG. I've been here for almost two and a half years, specifically at OMAG. Um, it's that was my first real into the city claims I normally handled um Department of Corrections before that county claims um school claims so it's been a transmission yeah um sounds like all public sector though yes
2: yeah um and how many uh adjusters do you oversee here at OMAG
0: I oversee four here at OMAG and three at the other office
2: okay um so just, just for the listeners and some background, do you guys have a system or um, a process for assigning claims internally? So does each city
0: or member have their own adjuster? How does this work? They do. Um, we The adjusters that are currently here, we've assigned them based on the alphabet, actually, um, where one adjuster may handle three because they're heavily populated as far as claims, Versus 14 different, you know, alphabetical letters, based on those don't require or they don't they're not heavily saturated. So, um, but each town will have their own adjuster that handles the incident only, medical only, lost time litigated. Okay.
2: Um, and I, I, I think that's helpful for our member cities to have one point of contact for all their workers' comp claims. Do you think that that's beneficial to?
0: I do. I think it's I always think it's good to have a backup so they know more than one person um, in case somebody's out, A lot of them call me if they're out, and that's usually the point of contact is me. But just to have somebody that they're familiar with that they can call and ask questions if they need to or have somebody look up some information for them. Um it's always good to have more than one point of contact for them.
2: Good. Um I know at OMAG we value relationships a lot and so I think um, you know, having the same adjuster and backup are are, are good for that relationship building. Um so to get into to workers comp just a little bit, um what who does workers comp cover can you just briefly explain just generally speaking um who who's covered by workers compensation
0: um in omag specifically um you have volunteer firefighters you have reserve police officers um all city workers anybody that's a paid employee either full or part-time it's seasonal as well we find that a lot in the smaller towns that have um pools you know they'll hire they'll hire a um, high school kid to work the pool. They're covered because they're seasonal um, or landscape or anything like that. Um, There are volunteer um, outside of fire and police. Usually, they'll call us to verify if they're covered previous to letting them do something. And we verify that information with OMAG prior to saying they're a covered employee or not a covered employee. Um, which is helpful for us to be in-house, to be able to ask those questions as far as their policy. Um, Elected officials are covered, um, but for specific things. If they're out there acting as an elect, you know, the official, if they've gone to a um, seminar, that's usually when we see uh, a claim. I can say all the years I've been here, I've not seen any of those claims. So um, we always get a legal opinion previous to letting them know if it's covered or not covered.
2: Okay and so you you're open to members calling you anytime they might have a question about yes. who's covered. Okay and that's always a good idea and if there's ever a question I know you guys will sometimes come and ask the attorneys at OMAG or your uh, uh, workers comp defense attorneys as well.
0: Right and I always tell them up front I, I don't know the answer but I will get the answer. Um, I would I never want to give them the wrong information. Um, So I'd rather go ask and verify.
2: Okay. Um, So now let's talk about what is covered by the Workers' Compensation Act.
0: That's broad. But it is any injury that occurs or arises out of and in the course of employment. Um, Not all all claims are um, if they're on a personal mission. Um, The coming and going rule is very cloudy. I should back up. Every incident and injury should be reported, whether they feel like it's an admitted claim or not. So knowing about every incident helps multiple people. It helps the safety guys um, know where the injuries are occurring so they kind of get an idea of the risk that's out there, number one. Number two, um, if, if it's a personal mission, in the course of the investigation, we'll ask the questions. Um, to determine if it falls within or is in their job description usually we used to say that anything that the employer derives a benefit that kind of fell into the the definition and that's not always the case Um, so it's cloudy but it's any injury that occurs um, while they're at work that does not cover everything everybody has the assumption that oh it happened at work it's covered that is not correct. Um, it's only if they're in the course of their job. So um, we, we deny. Um, unfortunately, um, we let them know why we're denying it. We usually call the employer first to let them know why we're doing it um, because they don't understand. And we try to explain the situation of just because it occurred there or while they're at work, doesn't mean that they're responsible for it. So we have a lot of them that are, I was just walking, as an example. I was just walking and my knee gave out. You were doing nothing. That was related to your job. That was a personal health issue. So in situations like that, we, in the investigation process, we get their previous medical history, um, which is required um, if you question a claim. We have to go and ask for their on PCP records any time they might have been in a hospital to verify that they didn't have any pre-existing issue. Um, because those type claims cost the cities or our insureds a lot of money collectively. So you don't only look at, um, you look at the cost of medical, you look at the cost of lost time, you look at the, t- the cost of what it's going to be to settle the claim. So a simple knee injury policy-wise um, those are twenty thousand dollars plus the total knee is anywhere from thirty five to fifty five thousand a back surgery um, is anywhere from fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand and so when you look at it in terms of what you're spending, you have to be very careful that you 're not paying for something that didn't happen at work or that you 're not responsible for so we always ask for um, Past medical just to verify that doesn't mean that they can't be injured and aggravate a pre-existing condition but you want to make sure that what we pay for um, through their policy they're responsible for okay and so
2: I mean what what might be some of those questions you would ask to determine if it happened within the course and scope
0: in the initial investigation they will ask them have you ever had any previous injury to this body part before and um, specifically a knee so we we might have somebody that had played baseball or football and they've had 14 surgeries that doesn't preclude them from this being a workers comp injury but we have to take into consideration apportionment so we would get their medical records we would make sure that the doctors aware of um, the previous or the pre-injury status you know um, and the doctor would address the causation or the need. And, and for the most part, the doctors address the major cause or the need for that treatment to be the incident that occurred. And we're fine with that. It's just that we have to make sure we cross every T when we're looking at these claims.
2: Okay, um, and so what are the types of compensation that an employee receives? Um, as a result of a workers' comp claim.
0: So if the injury is reported timely, um, the employer has the first right to choose the medical. So we always say that that's their first, you know, the first responder. Um, You're able to choose um, that medical provider.
1: OMAG All Access would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. For your time, we would like to offer you the chance to win a pair of OMAG All Access Bluetooth headphones. To enter, all you have to do is head to www.omag.org forward slash all access and click on the corresponding image at the top of the screen. The password for each episode will change, so make sure you are always up to date on the newest episode of OMAG All Access by subscribing with your favorite podcast app. The password for this episode is Worker. Follow the directions on the giveaway page, and you will be entered. Good luck.
0: Um, So they're entitled to medical benefits. So we would pay for the medical and any outside referral for diagnostic, um, physical therapy, prescription, um, the medical appointments, mileage. If it's more than 20 miles round trip, uh, we would pay mileage at the um, standard rate, which changes. So I Don't like to specifically say what it is (laughs) we get notifications of changes. Um, So then if they are taken off work, they're entitled to what's called temporary total disability. The first three days are non-compensable. It's not work days. It's calendar days. So if they get injured on Thursday, the date of injury is not included in the three-day waiting period. If they've um, earned any money, if they came in, they worked one hour, the date of injury does not you know, account for the three days. So it would be the next day, which would be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. TTD would start Monday. So we take into calendar day versus work days. And there's a lot of people that um, they get a little confused about that. But um, if they're TTD, they get released. No surgery. That's the only benefit they're entitled to. If they are injured that requires surgical intervention, they're going to be at the very end, once they're released, they're going to be entitled to permanent partial disability, which is based on the AMA 6th edition. We we request it either from the treating doctor or we get a rating doctor depending on how many body parts are injured. um, And we ask them to um, evaluate based on the medical specifically. There's no pain and suffering in workers' comp. It is specifically for um, anatomical abnormality. That's what it's for. They were given the lost time benefit for the time they're off, so that's not included as far as for settlement. We don't take those things into account. We just take into account the disability associated. Um, In some instances, there are um, injuries that occur that don't allow an employee to go back to work maybe permanent restrictions, and the employer cannot accommodate, Um, that's an employment issue outside of workers' comp where they can't. Once they notify us that they can't come back with those permanent restrictions, the injured worker could be entitled to vocational rehabilitation. We pay for that. We can offer that as part of settlement um, with the claim where we give them money in order to go for voc training. Um, we don't pay for college education. However, we would pay for vocational retraining. Um, if they are unable to ever go back to work, they could um, petition the court for perm total disability. But you have to... The burden of proof is on the injured worker dependent upon um, the injury. Um, and that's normally only with an attorney. Those are not benefits that
2: we just offer just flow from a claim yeah yeah um so now that we kind of know who and what um, how does um, an injured worker file a workers comp claim
0: the I would say first of all at some point when they go to work for the employer they would have been given some sort of instruction if they're ever hurt at work um, who they would report their injury to initially. Um, most of the time, it's supervisor. So it's up to the supervisor to then turn it into whomever um, for the city fills out the paperwork. HR, city clerk, um, we have some that are the treasurer and city clerk. Um, whoever that appointed person is, the supervisor would come in and request a Form 2. The Form 2 is filled out by the only, by the... Um, party that's, that's formally the one that reports. It cannot be filled out by the injured worker itself. So an example, if it's a, a fire chief and he gets injured and he normally files for um, the other firefighters, he cannot file the Form 2 for himself. He has to go above himself, whether it's the city manager or the person in general that might report And he would have to have them fill out the form, too. They can't sign it themselves. So it has to be the representative for that particular insured. Um, Then it's sent in to us, and we start the process of claims handling. Okay, so then it would be
2: assigned to the appropriate adjuster. um, How long does that process take? I know it's a wide range, but just generically speaking.
0: They, when we get the, um, so they, technically everything is um, going toward which is going to be required by the court to be um reported online everything's going to go to online reporting right now we still get a range of form twos and first report of injuries which are reported online and um, we ha- normally we'll get those downloaded within if it's in the morning we get it by the afternoon it's assigned to the adjuster by the afternoon they have until the next day at noon to make their contacts. Um, So we say 24 hours they should be contacted um, from the time it's reported to the time that they, whether it's the city or the employee, um, gets a phone call from the adjuster.
2: Okay. And so does the adjuster have communication with the city and the employee? Is there ongoing communication with both?
0: Yes. It's required, and it's an internal um, requirement, but... Initially, they're going to contact the employer to verify that they're not questioning the injury um, and make sure the specifics of the injury. So, if it was a motor vehicle accident, they're going to say, Can you tell us, was there a police report filed? Do you have one available? Um, then they'll follow up. Now, sometimes it always, you know, if we can't get hold of the person with the city first, we'll go ahead and call the employee um, and they ask the questions. Per the Form 2, how did your injury occur? Did you go for treatment? Have you ever injured those body parts before? Um, that's. I mean, that's where it starts. And then it's a requirement that we stay in contact and update the employer after the medical appointments. So we get a return to work slip. We're going to call them and say, are you able to accommodate? So if there's restrictions, we have to verify if the employer can accommodate. If they cannot accommodate that's when benefits would um come into the scenario um but we have to stay in contact with them based on every um off work slip that they get whether there's restrictions or their ttd
2: okay okay um so i think that's a pretty good overall um you know um statement about how who what where when you know the whole workers comp thing works um you know, can you give us just a or the listeners, um, you know, f- three or four things that could possibly help, you know, uh, moving forward with a workers' compensation claim? Or are, are there some things that are always helpful to you as the adjuster to get to get things going in the right direction and timely and efficient?
0: Well, the the most important thing is that it's filed timely. Um, there is a time requirement technically, with the Workers' Comp Commission, which is 30 days. They have 30 days um, to report an injury. And that's for the employer. So if they are ever put on notice that there was an incident, um, even if there was no medical treatment, always go back and report that. It does not count against them to have an incident only. But it does show that it was reported. So there won't be any um, lag time as far as reporting on an incident only, we don't make any contacts. It's entered into our system um, so that it gets reported to the state as a reported incident Um, once if, I should say, the employee decides they want treatment. So once they want treatment, it's opened, and it is electronically reported to the state that it's an open claim. But it does show that the employer notified and was notified in a timely manner. So that's what they're looking for. Um, It's the ones where they don't report them timely um, that the commission at some point can make that a case. Um, The other thing is just by reporting it, you're not admitting to any liability. It's just for reporting purposes only. Um, But the communication between um, CBR, OMAG, and the insureds is that that's the key to getting everything moving in the right direction. So I'm going to say timely filing or contacting um, OMAG or CBR about an injury is the most important. Um, and then just keeping everything um, documented from when it gets reported. Normally, we request for um, wage records. Um, so those are, impor- those are the other important keys is that we have to report the wages, and that's reported electronically to the state. Um, and we'll get errors technically, um, which will say we have nothing. And so we have to collect those. Those are the two most important, timely documents that we ask for. Um, everything else, you know, it's not time derived, it's more of a as we need it, we can ask for it. But those are the two most important things.
2: Okay. Um, well, I think that's a, a good overview of workers' comp. Thanks for talking with us today. And and again, for our listeners, if you have any questions about workers' comp or even a claim that's in the process um, or, or what to do when the employee reaches MMI, medical maximum improvement, and what do you do with that employee on the employment side, I know that um, you guys get those questions a lot. So, yes. of course... Um, Monica and I are always welcome, you know, happy to help in that situation. But Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
1: We hope you can take something away from this podcast that will help your city or town. You can find more information about OMAG on our website at www.omag.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or ideas for a podcast topic, please send them to allaccess at omag.org. On the next episode of OMAG All Access.
0: It always thrills me to be able to just, you know, uh, accept a a grant, get it approved, and get that money out to the cities as soon as possible.
1: This episode is copyright OMAG 2021 under the Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution Non-Commercial Non-Derivatives International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.